Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. The stresses of travel and the stresses of living overseas are so deep and intertwined that it's not a matter of getting a personal trainer or hiring a dietitian to give you a meal plan or, you know, some of the things that you think like, oh, I'm maybe I'm overweight or maybe I need to do this or that. But there are just a lot of elements to the stresses that we have in this lifestyle that all play into each other. And without looking sort of at that big picture and all those pieces, you'll never long-term really get on the path that you want to be going on. That was a clip from our wonderful guest today, Kirsten Pontius. She helps expats and travelers use their lifestyle to their advantage to become the healthiest versions of themselves. And there's so much actionable advice in this show. She talks about the three pillars of wellness, how you can relieve stress instantly with two small daily practices, how you can identify and eliminate stressful parts of your life, how to use reflection and trial and error to maximize self-care on the road, the potential benefits of raising third culture kids, her experience living abroad for 15 years and giving birth in two different countries, why it's necessary to shut out the novelty while you travel, and so much more. So if you want to live a healthy life out there on the road, you're going to love this show. Plus, I got a shout out to somebody in this community who really turned lemons into lemonade, which is another theme I want to discuss in the show, and loads more. It's all happening right now. So buckle up, strap in, thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out. Letting me bring a little bit of travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today, my friend? I got a fun fact to share. You know, our guest today spent four and a half years living in Romania, and she talks about that experience now, this is one of the joys of getting to host this show because I've never been to Romania. I will probably, although never say never, but I may never get a chance to live in Romania for four and a half years. So wanted to hear 
what that was like. And I was looking up some facts on Romania and found a really interesting one I'm going to share with you in a minute. Don't forget, we have loads going on in this show, as I mentioned at the top. This is all about your health, managing your stress, managing your health on the road. And if you're going to live abroad or spend some time traveling, I love Kirsten's approach of using your lifestyle to your advantage. And she shares so much actionable advice in this interview that I, I seriously, when I finished recording it, I ran downstairs and chatted with my wife. I said, you're going to have to listen to this interview. And I have to go tell her that because she doesn't listen to my podcast, which is totally fine. I know why. She hears me running my mouth every single day. She doesn't need more of me running my mouth into her ears. But what I need is a little bit more of you. So please get in touch. I want your feedback, your guest recommendations. I want to hear your voice. You can drop me a line, Jason at ZeroToTravel.com anytime or just click the link in the show notes to leave me a voicemail. You don't have to enter an email or anything. You just click a link and leave a voicemail, 90 seconds or less. Super simple. This is a community-powered show, and I love to hear from you. So if you haven't taken the time to do that, please get in touch. I will share a message I got from a listener recently who I get the feeling was turning lemons into lemonade, which is something we'll talk about after the interview. Now, before we dive in, let me share this fun fact I found out about Romania, a place I've been excited to visit for quite some time and have heard wonderful things about. And apparently they have super fast internet too over there, which certainly helps if you're working from abroad. Anyway, according to The Telegraph, the newspaper, Romania has the world's heaviest building, home to the world's heaviest building. It's the Palace of the Parliament. Get this. Quote, it has 1,100 rooms, the vast majority of which lie empty, and an annual heating bill of 6 million pounds. And I thought my heating bill was expensive. (laughs) Sorry, just (laughs) playing the bad comic here. Uh, It goes on to say, it all adds up to an area of 365,000 square meters, second only to the Pentagon as far as administrative buildings are concerned. And inside you'll find 3,500 tons of crystal, 480 chandeliers, and 1,409 ceiling lights, while 700,000 tons of steel and bronze was used for the monumental doors and windows. Guinness World Records recognizes it as the heaviest building on the planet. End quote. So there you go. Uh, by the way, my bad comic shtick was not part of that quote on the Telegraph. <laughs> I'll link to this article and you can read some other facts about Romania if you are so inclined. Crazy. How do you even measure the weight of a building anyway? That's why I'm not a scientist. I'm just a lowly podcaster. All right. I am so excited to slip and slide into this interview now. Please stick around on the back end. Again, we're going to share a a voicemail from a listener. I'll leave you with a nice quote and some thoughts on the show. Let's all get healthy together. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. I'm so excited to welcome Kirsten Pontius to the show today. You can check out our work at kirstenpontius.com and we'll drop that link in the show notes as well. What she does is help you take ownership of your health and your life no matter where you live or travel. And we're going to be talking about staying healthy on the road, what it means to live holistically, and a whole bunch of other cool things, I imagine. So Kirsten, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me. Coming live from, well, maybe not live to the listener, but 
coming recorded or live from Romania. Yeah. Of all places. How did you end up there? Um, my husband has a job here um, at the international school uh, just north of town. And we have been here four and a half years and are preparing to move from here. So we're, we're ending our time and getting uh, all set up to uh, go to our next spot. Can you tell me about the experience of living in Romania for four and a half years? It's been pretty intense because we had our second son here. I moved here seven months pregnant. As soon as we um, found out we had the job, we started trying for our second child and uh, ended up uh, having him here in Romania. So he was born here. My first son was born in Thailand. So uh, we have some very different birth situations <laughs> happening in these two places. But um, yeah, so we started out here with uh, a birth and a newborn. And right as we were coming out of that sort of newborn fog, uh, you know, a pandemic hit. So it's been a really interesting experience to be here. We've loved the people, the food, the travel, the mountains and the the terrain here, just uh, gorgeous and, and diverse. Um, however, we don't feel like we have been able to see it as much as we would have liked to because of, you know, children and illness. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. Really fascinating to me thinking about having the birth experience in two different countries. Is that something you're willing to talk about? I don't know if there was some traumatic things there, if it went okay. I, I just wondering from your perspective what that was. I had the Norwegian experience with my well, I didn't have it, my wife, but you know, was there and part of it, I guess. But we all know who does the hard work with, with yes. birthing. Goodness <laughs> gracious. So I mean, I'm just wondering what that was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I have to say, if you are considering giving birth or you're overseas and it's a possibility, the book Knocked Up Abroad was one of my favorite references. Have you heard of that book? No. Um, it's, Great title. It's a compilation, compilation of stories from women who have given birth outside of their home countries or passport countries and their experiences. So Americans in China and um, Europeans in, um, you know, America and, and kind of all the mishmash of um, scenarios that you can think of. And it's really eye-opening and it's a really nice way to sort of um, connect to an experience that is pretty unique. Um I had a, a a great birth with my first son in Bangkok, Thailand, at Simity Hospital, where it was like um, having a child at the Hyatt, um, with you know slippers and iced water and and cold towels, and and I, I felt as if I was in complete luxury, uh, and that's the way that that was you know that's done there. Um, I have hired a doula in both locations, and. That was helpful, I think, um, not just because there was there were things in in my birth that I wanted to be really uh, connected to, but because having somebody that lives in the country help you through the process of your appointments and your doctor visits and getting your labs and understanding the cultural nuances of of the hospital and and birth um, environment was so valuable. I think it was worth it just almost as a cultural interpreter um, to to kind of help me through what it was going to be like because you can't really pick up what to expect when you're expecting 
and have all of those pieces apply to, you know, what it would be like to have a child in another country. So overall, but great experiences and two healthy boys. And I would not, I could not recommend highly enough the experience. I, I would say, you know, you don't have to go home to have, have babies if you're a traveler. It's another one of those things where the more I do this podcast, the more I continue to learn. You know, it's another one of those, shall we say, limiting beliefs that may keep people grounded in their home country because who can give birth abroad? You can't really do that. That doesn't work. And yet, here we are. <laughs> yes. That's one of the topics I talk to clients about a lot is the idea that different is not wrong. And I think that in both of my births in totally different countries, there were elements of how things were done that I kind of came to appreciate. There were parts of it that I didn't, but I think always having that perception when you're going into a new experience, whether it's giving birth or just something as minor as a restaurant experience or getting a driver's license that things that are done differently, that's not strange. It's not wrong. It's it's just different. And there's always something we can learn from that. And so I think that you point out a really good, good sort of mindset that it's, it can be, you could have something really feel completely different than what you'd have back home. It doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Like you said, it applies to everything across the board, right? Uh, I, wanted to ask you about the international school because one of the things I've been considering is, well, I want to do a family gap year at some point. I have two little ones. And the bigger picture idea, at least for me, is to maybe spend half the year in Norway, half the year in a nice warm place during the winter or some of the winter months. And maybe having the kids go to an international school for half the year and school in Norway here for half the year. Now I'm asking a selfish question and we are going to get into like health related <laughs> things and stuff like that. So no stay problem. with me here, everybody. But is that possible? Is that something you can do? Is yes. it a good idea? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the international school communities are used to that transient lifestyle. I think six months is probably sh a bit shorter than what most communities are used to, but it certainly happens. Um, sometimes it happens on purpose. Sometimes it happens on accident. We have a, we had a family at the school where my husband works that came at the beginning of the school year and left at Christmas because the job fell through or something happened with the job and the family you know, thought they were going to be here for a few years and it didn't work out and they left. Um, so you certainly could. Um, but, you know, it also would take a little bit of adjusting for your kids. It's a lot of transition for them. Um, but again, the teachers, the staff, the other kids are used to that. You know, I think it's so cool to see my kids embraced by kids of all nationalities and backgrounds at school. Um, they have a place because they're all, um, you know, they're all from a different place. That's their common, that's the common thread. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I was thinking we could find one and just go to that one every year for six months for a decade or whatever if we find the right place. So it's, it's, it's an idea anyway. So it's good to hear that that's a possibility. How do you think this is affecting their childhood? Yeah. Oh, good question, man. This could go deep. <laughs> um, I think very positively overall. Um, you know, we continue to reflect and reevaluate this decision. My husband and I have been overseas for almost 15 years and had our kids overseas. And um, 
we constantly stop and pause and say, is this still the right thing for all of us as a family unit? Um, I think that there are certain moments where I miss having grandparents around the corner and there is, you know, not as much stability in the day to day, or I shouldn't say in the day to day, in the year to year, maybe. But um, my kids are incredibly resilient. They are so open. Again, we go back to that conversation of there is no idea. There's no concept of strange. We don't use that word in our house. It's just things are different. And my children are so open to things that they're not familiar with yet. We use the word yet a lot. You know, they, they're open to foods. They're open to customs. They're open to um, people and a variety of different experiences. Um, there is just not as many of those limiting beliefs as they grow up. And I am so thrilled that that is their norm. Uh, I think it's going to make open up the door and open up the world of possibilities for them as they get older and become adults. That's such a beautiful thing. How old are they? Seven and four. Yeah, I want to ask you about your how you started your 15 years abroad, but a couple other things just around this topic, because one of the debates that goes on in my head at least is I grew up in the same suburban town outside of Philadelphia and that's where I had my childhood right going back to some of the things that you were saying I, I agree that there's no it's sort of just an experience and it's not necessarily good or bad it's just different right good things and bad things I suppose about anywhere in the world I do value the fact that I, I know people that have known me my whole life and there's something special about that. And when you get into the nomadic third culture kid, skipping around different places type of thing, that is possible, but it's probably less likely. And uh, this is uh, not a knock on that lifestyle because I support that lifestyle. It's just a debate that goes on in my head because I wonder if I ever live that lifestyle with with my family, again, the conclusion I always come to, I want to hear yours, is it's just an experience and it'll just be a part of who they are, whatever that means. Nobody can know. Yeah. It's just something I wonder about. I'm just curious what your take is on that. Yeah. It's definitely a conversation that my husband and I have had. Um, there are so many things that we had in our childhood, including friendships and um, you know routine that our children don't have as easy access to. Um, I do think that as my seven-year-old, um, as we transition now onward from Romania, I do believe that we will work for him to keep connected with a couple of his friends because he's getting to the age where friendships matter just as much as mom and dad, if not more. You know, There's that age where they start to um, really connect and care about friendships. And I, I have only matter just been- I know. <laughs> How old are your kids? Three and five. Three yeah. And a half and five. I'm just starting to notice that in my older son that um, those friendships are pretty pretty valuable in a different way. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I always tell them not to grow up. It's so sad. Um, but I think what helps me is I had some really great childhood friends. I'm very loosely in touch with them. And I don't know that had I lived a transient lifestyle like my kids are, that our current relationship would be any different. So here I was someone that grew up in the same town, in the same community, doing the same things every week. And I'm not necessarily flying home to my hometown and having big reunions or, um, you know, and so I, I think 
it doesn't bother me so much because I, I think they could easily grow up in that lifestyle and still not necessarily have those childhood friendships that carry them through adulthood. And I know a lot of third culture kids that stay in amazing touch with friends that they had when they lived in Ethiopia and friends that they had in this place. And they've got their sets of friends and those bonds are also incredibly strong. So I don't know that, that, you know, I think it's, it's pretty easy for us to kind of say, well, if this doesn't happen, then this can't. And I don't think that's true. I think they could still really have some of those great bonds um, with with childhood friends, but it, it might just look a little different. You outgrow certain friends, right? And you can't predict that. And the idea of being able to keep in touch with a friend from Ethiopia or something like that, it's just like you said, it's just different. And I've met a lot of, they call themselves army brats, you know, people that are living on military bases and traveling around. And you know, from some of the more uh, positive, I guess, minded ones around the experience that they had, I hear often, and from third culture kids as well, that it made them more resilient, more flexible. I guess they were could make friends more easily anywhere. They felt like you could drop them anywhere and they'd be able to like make friends and connections and things like that, which is a hugely empowering and a valuable skill. So there is no right or wrong, really. And that's why it's so hard when people are judging an unconventional lifestyle it, it might from the outside in let's say from uh you know the traditional american perspective you you guys may be living a more unconventional lifestyle that's probably fair to say but is it really unconventional i mean you're giving your kids love they're going to school they have friendships it, you know it just happened to be doing it in another place it's just so much around this it's a yes yes it's fascinating yeah it is it's a lot of the way people interpret it outside of you, but it doesn't totally. really matter what people think. Totally. You're, you're making the decisions that are best for your family. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that. 
than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. I think it's also really helpful and empowering to like you have you have built an amazing community around um, some of these unconventional lifestyles. And I think tapping into some of these type of communities where you can meet other people and other families that are doing things, quote unquote, differently um, is really helpful and empowering. And that's something that I think is growing is these ways to connect with people that are choosing to do things um, differently than maybe they grew up. And that's a really important part of finding normalcy and just finding connection in a lifestyle that can feel really isolating if you're not intentional. Yeah. I guess the international school has been a connection point for you guys, right? Totally. Yeah. Huge. Yes. Yes. Is, is your husband a teacher there or? He's in administration. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So started out. So when we, uh, I first joined him in Tbilisi, Georgia, and he was a teacher there. And on a whim, I had this, uh, we, we were uh, friends in college and we'd gotten back in touch and we were chatting online and started to Skype and started to talk. And all oh. of a sudden I, I contacted Romance him for, tr- was in for the air. advice. Exactly. And <laughs> then all of a sudden we were really connecting and he came home one Christmas to visit and proposed and wait, what? Yeah. And I went to, I went to, to wait, Georgia. Point, had you guys even <laughs> reconnected physically like in person before he came home or was it just all Skype and le- and things like that? And then you saw each other. He proposed. We we had what we had done a few weeks over one summer. So it was his summer break, and I took a trip to India for my grad for grad school. And he met me in India, and we spent a few days in India, and then we both flew back to the states. Went to a wedding or two together, hung out. We were in love. We I knew it was coming. Um, and then he went back to work uh, as a teacher, and he was actually sorry. He was in Singapore at the time. Um, proposed. And the next summer we moved to Tbilisi, Georgia. And uh, my family was, my mom's, my parents are great about travel. I have travel in my family, but my mom was definitely a little bit like, um, are you sure about this? Uh, what year so, was yeah. that when you moved to, to Tbilisi? Um, Tbilisi? 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah. Right. So yeah. That's so, when the, the living abroad together started. Yes. Yeah. 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 I had done a stint on my own and then been back in the States itching to go back out again. And then uh, I joke that I, you know, my husband was my, my ticket out. You know, you some found people, the right person. Yeah, right? exactly. So, <laughs> what were you yeah. doing on your own before you guys reconnected? And Yeah. So after college, I went to Japan to teach English. I, uh, didn't know what to do with myself, you know, early 20s, didn't want to have a desk job in the States, entry level, you know, kind of was going, ah, there's got to be something better. And 
took a job teaching English in Japan and did that for a year. Um, did not like it, uh, struggled a lot. And that's some of the, I think the foundation to what I'm doing now started, you know, 15 years ago in Japan when I was really struggling with health and my mental health, my physical health. Um, it was, it was a good experience. I'm very thankful for it, but I think, uh, you know, if I could meet myself now and know what I know, I might've, you know, it might've gone a little smoother, but, um, yeah, I did that for a while. Went back to the States, started grad school, reconnected with my husband and yeah, hopped on a plane as fast as I could. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about the specific struggles you were experiencing during that year, mentally, physically, whatever, just kind of, yeah, I guess, put us in your shoes a little bit there. Yeah. So I think I was a bit aimless and I went to Japan and I think I made some of the, the common mistakes that I, I notice people making a lot. One of them kind of being that, you know, taking a trip and traveling or moving abroad is going to fix things, you know, kind of being unsure, but feeling like that sense of I'll find, I'll find myself, I'll figure things out. I'm going to become this sort of better version of myself because I'll be in this really cool and exotic place. Um, and I struggled, um, a bit with the culture. I didn't, I didn't like the job. Um, one of the reasons I studied in holistic health is because while I was there, I was, you know, emotionally eating a lot. Um, and I don't think had a dietitian or a nutritionist come to me and given me an eating plan that it would have solved anything because there are so many interconnected parts to your health um, that in reality, what I needed was someone to help me build some community and someone to kind of um, support me in working through and thinking through some of the struggles that I was having in this sort of limiting mindset that you've mentioned before about different is wrong. Um, it, I was going from, you know, us college to apartment studio apartment by myself in a small village in Japan and working long hours, teaching English and not enjoying it. And I was eating for comfort. Um, and I can look back now and recognize that I don't think I could at the time. And so that, that was something that really helped me. As I started getting into this field of holistic health, of coaching, um, nutrition, realized that the stresses of travel and the stresses of living overseas are so um, deep and intertwined that it's not a matter of um, you know getting a personal trainer or hiring a dietitian to give you a meal plan or you know some of the things that you think like oh I'm maybe I'm overweight or maybe I need to do this or that, that they're just a lot of elements to the stresses that we have um, in this lifestyle that all play into each other. And without looking sort of at that big picture and all those pieces, um, if, you'll never long-term really get on the path that you want to be going on. I'm thinking about you alone in a studio apartment abroad and I think in some ways, an experience like that, it forces you inward, right? It Perhaps it accentuates some of the potential, I want to say liabilities, maybe one might be carrying with them that can be hidden perhaps from the day-to-day -day existence in your own home country where you can sort of, everything just feels more normal. So maybe you don't question things as much, or maybe your habits are just shared habits with, with other people or roommates. And, and it's just all so familiar, I suppose. And then when you get out of that, 
you are on the fast track to inner exploration in some ways, I feel. And I, I don't know. I wonder, I don't like to think that a tough year like that and a struggle is a necessary part of transformation, but in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point. I definitely think that that year shaped me in a lot of ways. I also think that, you know, had I had some of the tools that I have now and some of the tools that I offer clients that I have in my book in terms of reflection, you know, when I went, I had, I was in a relationship and it completely fell apart. I hadn't done any work to think about how we were going to communicate, what the expectations were. I hadn't thought about who I was. I didn't, I hadn't had a moment to even think about the kind of person I want to surround myself with. When you are living in the same place year after year and you kind of build your community and then you remove yourself from it, thinking about what do I value in a friendship? What do I want? If I am going to go and have this experience where I maybe have an opportunity for a fresh start, I have an opportunity to kind of build from scratch who I am and how I act and what I do in that routine, you know, what, what is it that I want out of that? Um, had I just had a few of those tools of reflection, I mean, it's such, I, I believe as a coach, it's such a, a missing element in our behavior change and how we um, adapt is just taking a moment to think about who, who, who I am, who do I want to be? What's my identity now, but what do I want my identity to be? We have such a unique opportunity when we go somewhere new to think through that and intentionally make choices around that. And I think I was just like flailing in the wind, you know, I would just kind of doing whatever I hadn't. Um, and I, some of that was my youth. Um, but I do think there are some tools that while that trip, I think would always have been a struggle. It could have made it even more valuable because I could have really taken advantage of, of, thinking through some of the things I was doing. That's great. Yeah, I want to dig into some of those tools for anybody that's listening so we don't they don't have to I don't think yes, it's better to have tools to work with. You you don't want to say, well the struggle's necessary, so now I'm, let me just torture myself. You know? yeah. I mean there are yeah. tools, there are things yes. you can do. We're all going to struggle, I feel. Of course at some point, but let's uh like you said, if you're a bit more intentional with your actions, uh, coming to the conclusion more quickly to be more intentional with your actions that in and of itself can uh can help with a lot of the struggles so i, I don't know yes, I, yes. everybody's going to struggle in life and just because yes. you go abroad this goes back to what you talked about in the beginning right like it doesn't mean yes. that you're just going to land somewhere and it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows as they say but yes. i have to say my first solo backpacking trip was all sunshines and, and rainbows was it yes it really was <laughs> i was like awesome. i was like oh my god this is incredible <laughs> I don't know, but that doesn't mean every, you know, I'm moving to Norway and living as an expat. I mean, I know on your website, the first thing you have at the top is I help expats use their travels and lifestyle to become the healthiest versions of themselves. And it's like that yeah. resonated with me because, you know, it's not easy to live your day to day life in another country at times. Yeah. And going off of that statement, I wanted to ask you, and this is probably going to lead to some of the tools and, and things like that. So, so we can give some people people listening, some takeaways here. Um, but what does it mean to be the healthiest version of yourself? What is it? What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's certainly can be interpreted in, in 
a lot of different ways. Um, but I think when, when we talk about being the healthiest version of ourselves, I think a lot of that is connected to feeling, feeling healthy. A lot of times when, when someone comes to me and they say, you know, okay, I need to lose 10 pounds. Okay. When we, when we ask why, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you, you know, I want to lose weight because I want to, I want to fit into my clothes. Why do you want to fit into your clothes? It comes down to things like confidence, um, feeling strong. You know, there's, there's these adjectives around what maybe health means for you, Jason, individually, that might be different for me. Um, and so I think, you know, being your, your, the best version, the healthiest version of yourself is, is, is bringing those feelings to fruition. Um, I want to be strong. Okay. So then the goal might be lifting weights, but it's not lifting weights because you want to fit into your genes necessarily. The, the, the really root of it is that you want to feel some strength. And I use this example because I have taught yoga for, uh, 10 years, always been a yogi done yoga. I've taught it. And during the pandemic, um, my yoga practice really kind of tapered off and I let that happen. And I felt like it just, I, I wasn't really feeling it. And I started lifting weights and I recognized that really the root of what I wanted was to feel some control and some strength in an environment and a time that felt incredibly unstable to me. And I felt really weak and, and unable to, um, to thrive. And so I think, you know, the, the healthiest version of yourself is finding those descriptors. How do you want to be? How do you want to feel? What are they? And finding ways to fulfill them and also re-examining them often, right? Because for 10 years, yoga was my go-to and it was awesome and I still do it. But it's shifted and that was okay too because there's a different season of life and I needed to like buff up. Yeah. <laughs> That makes so much sense to me. And I'm just thinking about, now I'm starting to think about, well, how do I, how does my body feel right now? Right. I think, yeah. you know, for me, it's, it's not necessarily about having the six pack abs, which you can ask my wife. I definitely do not. <laughs> um, but more, it's about like at, at this stage for me, it's like, Hey, let me, let me be strong so I can, uh, not get injured so I can prevent injury yes. and be able to play with my kids and not, you know, get hurt because I turn around too quick or something. I know that sounds like I'm not 80 years old, but you know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> yes, absolutely. My husband uh, ruptured his Achilles last year while he's playing basketball. And, mm. you know, that's pre that could have been preventable. Uh, mobility exercises, you know, all kinds of things that, you know, he's 30. He likes to make sure I remember he's, he's 39. He's younger than me. Okay. Just a little bit. Um, but these things can happen. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you want to play with your kids, you know, maybe you want to wake up and not feel foggy. You want to, you know, have energy for the work that you do, you know, whatever those descriptors are, that's kind of where we start. And then, you know, fulfilling those is that's finding the, the healthiest version of mm. you. Uh, well, as far as the tools, cause you say in your site, you help uh, people with each move, trip, or transition learn the foundational elements involved in setting yourself up for success. So what are some of those foundational elements? Yeah, so most of my signature programs revolve around nutrition, exercise and movement, and mental health, like stress management. When I lived in Cambodia, um, I was working at an awesome organization that worked um, supported um, uh, Cambodians who had um, experienced trauma 
first or second hand trauma and using yoga as a tool for processing and supporting their needs. Uh, and I really got heavily into trauma-informed practices. And then from there, really just how stress just can just completely tear apart any um, mental or physical health goal. It, it can be so detrimental, right? Trauma and stress, overwhelm, all of these pieces. And I got really interested in in that field. And that definitely plays into what I do now. And I think as you know, nomads and expats and travelers, there is a level of stress that kind of happens on a regular basis um, or that we hold with us often in this lifestyle. Um, and it plays in so much to you know how we eat, how we move, our relationships, all of those pieces. So those are kind of the three elements that I start with. And so, so much of what people are looking for, um, usually those three touch on that in some way. Um, and so you know, I do. I have a small group program that runs in March. Uh, every fall and spring, it runs. So this year, it will be in March. And those are the three basic um, elements that we start with. And then, as the group kind of discusses and 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 chats, we can kind of obviously delve into sleep or hormones or other elements. But um, those are the three sort of foundations. And with nutrition, a lot of times it's even just talking about how do I make a healthy meal when I can't read the labels in the grocery store um, or where I don't know how the language to to get a bag of apples at the market. Um, sometimes it's just having somebody go, okay, here's the next step. Let's take this bit by bit and let's get there. Um, and with movement, sometimes a, one of my very first clients, I remember working with her, she had just moved. She didn't have a community. And she had not worked out in months. So she'd, she'd been living um, here actually in Romania for several months, hadn't really built up friendships and was just so stressed and was like, I'm missing my workouts. I know it would help with my stress levels, but I'm a CrossFitter and I, I just, I, I haven't heard of any CrossFit gym. We spent one session figuring out where she could do CrossFit and boom, things started to change. Things started to shift. So sometimes it is just having the support to say like, okay, we need to find you a community of exercise fanatics like yourself so that you can start getting back into some of those routines and some of those familiar places. And, you know, that kind of leads me to one element that I think is really interesting about this lifestyle is that, um, this is going to sound completely off topic, but stay with me now as I veer. Um, when I was back in the States, I was in a relationship that ended, a romantic relationship that ended. And towards the end of that relationship, I bought a relationship book, you know, something about, you know, rekindling a fire or something, which clearly did not work, by the way. Um, and that's okay, because I'm pretty happy with who I've got now. Um, but I remember a chapter in there about novelty. And how important it was to bring excitement and different things into your relationship. And I think now about that topic and I think, gosh, we have nothing but novelty. When I go fill up my gas at the gas station, it is... Novelty is the norm. <laughs> yes, it is the norm. And so I the find... Baseline. Some of my favorite work is in the opposite, in helping people ground into routine, hmm. you know, finding the CrossFit gym, finding the lady at the market that will help you with your apples, finding sort of those stabilizing elements because we don't need more novelty. We're traveling. We're experiencing new things a lot. Oftentimes, it's more about pulling back a little bit and finding the routine in the day-to-day -day that helps you feel kind of normal and grounded again. 
Yeah. That flips everything on its head. For, yeah. Specifically for this lifestyle. It may be why some of us find ourselves out on the road for we're, we're in a destination, say for a week. Well, why do we keep going back to that same cafe for the yes. cup of coffee? It's just yes. the the familiarity is the novelty. Yeah. And right? it takes energy, every new thing, even when it's positive. I think that's one thing that I'd love to talk to people about is that you can have a, a million positive, quote unquote, positive things on your agenda for the day, but they can still take energy. And too much novelty can also be really overwhelming and exhausting. So I think finding a balance with that. Um, I talk in my book about, um, you know, having an environment, a home environment where you can close the door and tuck in and just be home in a familiar space for a day, you know, spend a Saturday in your pajamas and feel like you are in your little haven, how helpful that can be sometimes to just block out the novelty yeah. and just have, you know, your own coffee on your own couch and not, you know, deal with anything. Yeah. I, I want to talk about stress. That's something that keeps coming up. And I was just talking about this the other day. It's about ma figuring out how to manage the stress in many ways, right? Let's say you have a job that's stressing you out and you just, you think that quitting that job will relieve all the stress, but the chances are it may just shift uh, into a different kind of stress, right? Then maybe the stress becomes, uh, okay, I need to find another job or now it's financial stress. So like stress can carry with you throughout whatever it is that you're doing in the end, I feel like it comes down to having some tools to manage stress wherever it's coming from and not trying to just eliminate it everywhere because I feel like when you do that, it just still pops up in other places. And not, it's not always the case, but generally speaking, in my experience, uh, my own personal experience, I, I feel that. So I'm just wondering if you could share some tools for managing stress, whether that's you know travel stress, some of the lifestyle stress we talked about, or just in general. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things, I, I almost all of the people that I work with through workshops, clients, um, organizations, um, I will share one thing that I think everybody could do, and that's to find breath points, I call them. So oftentimes in our lives, especially in a really hectic and busy lifestyle, we um uh, you know, wake up in the morning, maybe we check our phone, there's a message from our boss, there's something from, you know, a parent back home. It, it sort of, it sort of raises our stress level, you know, engages the adrenaline. And then we often just stay at that heightened state throughout the day, right? That's a very common issue. It's called chronic stress. We, we kind of amp up and then we don't come back down. So breath breaks are opportunities for your nervous system to get back to that rest um, and kind of reset um, place. So a breath point or breath break would be every time I wash my hands, I'm going to take three deep breaths, maybe even add a little gratitude. I'm going to say something I'm thankful for in my mind. Um, for me, it's every time I get in my car, cause I don't like driving here. I make myself sit and I take three deep breaths. Um, doing laundry, uh, you know, walking by a drinking fountain. You, you can use whatever sort of tri triggering um, or, or, you know, kind of common um, activities in your day to create these points, but they, they act as a reminder, you know, something that you do frequently right before you make your coffee, what, you know, whatever it is. Um, and it just brings your nervous system to a healthier state. Now you might zip right back up the second you go to your meeting or, you know, second something happens, but you're essentially teaching your body, um, to sort of release and let go. Um, 
and and it, it's it's hugely helpful. And the idea is that over time, you are able to find those breath points in between stressful activities more often. Because in reality, we tend to hang on, you know, to that email we get from our boss in the morning or whatever. We tend to that that sticks with us. So by taking these breath points, we're slowly starting to create some space in between a stressful or a triggering activity and bring ourselves down. So that's one of my favorite tools and it can work for anybody at any time. I also encourage people to, I I have a workshop on routine, but one of the pieces of that is having a daily ritual. And that is something that is a little bit more, uh, calm and meditative, something that really kind of just fills you up a little bit. Um, It could be, you know, maybe making a matcha or it could be maybe a three minute meditation that you do at two o'clock with your office door shut and lights down. Um, It could be putting your feet up and reading at the end of the day, but having not, I don't like calling it a routine. I feel like a ritual, something that is really designed around your mental and physical health that feels nurturing. It feels like self-care. Um, I love to encourage people to, to find one ritual in the day. I mean, this is our life, right? Like, why are we suffering and struggling through it? Let's, let's at least take a moment every day to, to give ourselves a little love to do something we like. You know, so often it's like, I have to cook. I got to do the laundry. I've got to get to work. I've got to feed the kids. And we, we, we lose our day in this chaos. So it helps to have something like this, a ritual that you do maybe around the same time every day. Mine for, for years was making a matcha every, every day at nine o'clock. Didn't matter where I was. If I was traveling, I would bring my matcha with me. Um, and that was my ritual because it takes three minutes to do it. And so I have to stop and breathe and you know make it happen. But you could do a variety of things. So powerful. Uh, what's so powerful about that? Thank you. That's, yeah. those, that's incredible. I, I love that those tips are so doable. Yes. You know, you're not saying wake up at 6 a.m., take a cold shower, you know, eat (laughs) egg whites, you know, all this crazy. (laughs) It's like, no, anybody can stand there and take three deep breaths during an activity. We can all do that. Such a small but powerful thing and and say a little gratitude, prayer, whatever you want to call it. And and having a three-minute nurturing meditative ritual, Yeah. that just sounds lovely. Yes. I'm already thinking, what am I going to do? And if you can add that daily, that makes a huge difference. I, I do find I did when, one. I did one right before we talked. I just like brought my heartbeat down a little bit because yeah. I was so excited. Like, yeah. okay, Kirsten, you need to just breathe. Um, I love, you know, meditation apps. There's so many free ones, Insight Timer, Headspace. Um, uh, what's the other one? But there's a lot of free tools for those type of things. And yeah, you could just choose three minutes. That's all yeah. it takes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's lovely. You mentioned three main pillars in a way. You said stress, and then it was more of the body, physical stuff. Yeah, right? movement and, and movement nutrition. And, and nutrition. Yeah. I was wondering if you could, in, in in body, movement, and nutrition, do something similar where you can share like one or two yeah. sort of power tips, we can call them. Yes. Um, okay, well, let's start with nutrition. Uh, the first thing yeah, I just did a post on Instagram about this kind of desire for novelty that we have, it, you know, even though we are, you know, living in this very, very uh, novelty filled lifestyle. Um, it's pretty easy to kind of be looking for like the next best thing to eat 
or to do, you know, the, the keto and the kale and all of the trendy stuff, right? So this is kind of an evolutionary element that we have that sort of helps us to kind of keep that growth mindset. However, when it comes to health, sometimes it's detrimental because we kind of keep thinking that we need to do the next thing. Like, okay, well, what should I be eating now? Like what, what, what's the cutting edge? And in reality, back to the basics is, is, is proven time and time again to get you to a healthier place. So I always tell people, uh, get at least one serving of vegetables in every meal, if you can, and focus on protein. And I am not a low carb person. However, a lot of us just happen to eat a very carb heavy diet. Like it's just kind of the nat- natural inclination with, you know, processed foods and um, sort of the lifestyle that many of us live is that um, a lot of times it is carb heavy. And so adding some protein and vegetables to meals um, and snacks, I, I I like to tell people, you know, an apple is not a full snack. You know, you need some protein, you need some fat um, to feel fulfilled. So those are the things I, I tell people um, pretty regularly. Just increase your protein and your vegetable intake. That's it. Add some spinach to your smoothie. Saute some kale if you want kale. Add some peas to something. Um, I, I love to use um, soup, saute, stew, smoothie. I think those are are the four. There's the four S's. Those are really easy ways to add. You can add vegetables to any of those things and not even taste them. So those are really good go-tos. Um, I'm a big smoothie lover, but I can't do them in the winter. So, you know, summer, spring, fall, fine. But um, I kind of switched to having soups and stews a lot where I throw in extra veggies. Almost any soup I've ever made for my family, I've thrown in extra veggies. My kids don't even blink. You know, you, you can just add. I like to encourage people with eating to think about what they want to add, not what they want to take away. Don't worry about depriving yourself. Don't get stressed about, I have to cut out sugar. I've got to cut out carbs. I can't have Diet Coke anymore. Forget about that. Add in the good stuff. And there's slowly over time, some of those other habits are going to slowly be, um, you know, kind of crowded out. They're not going to be as much space for them as Mm. you add more nutrition to your meals. Mm. Put so some those, spinach on top of your chocolate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love the four S's. That's cool. Yeah. Soups, stews, smoothies, and sautés. Sautés. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I also like curries, but that one doesn't have an S. It's not yeah. as catchy, but you know, cur- curries are good places for veggies. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, and then with, with exercise and movement, this is a tricky one. I, there's a combination of... Um, a need for motivation. So I really like to get people to identify what what's motivating them. And, and I, I very rarely will accept weight loss because it's often much deeper than that. And it could be health related. It could be energy related. It could be confidence related, but without that sort of understanding of what's at the bottom of this desire, um, it's really easy to lose motivation. Uh, it's a lot harder to say, I'm not going to work out because, you know, I don't care about losing weight today. It's a lot harder to say, I'm not going to work out because I don't care about my confidence. You know, so when you're thinking about trying to kind of draw from that motivation at 6 a.m., put your running shoes on, um, you know, you're doing it for your confidence or you're doing it for your kids, whatever that sort of uh, foundation for that desire is. Um, so I also encourage people to really identify what they like. It, time and time again, uh, research has has indicated it does not matter 
what kind of exercise you do. If you like it and you do it, it's good. So it, 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 you know, don't jump on the latest trend unless it's really something you want to do. So in the last small group that I ran, we had a five-day challenge. We had to do something different for five days in a row. One of my clients discovered African aerobic dance, and it's like given her a new life. She just found something fun that she liked to do. So I think that's important. And then also identifying so many people need some outside accountability and outside motivation. And so if that's the case, figure out how to get that. You know, whether it's that you maybe pay for an online class or a trainer, or you go to group fitness, or you create an accountability WhatsApp group with some of your friends. Um, Many of us sort of need that extra push of somebody expecting you to show up. So build that in, you know, tip tip things in your favor. If you know that about yourself, then, you know, identify what the thing is and then figure out how you can get some accountability. Amazing. Thank you for that. I, yeah. So my buddy, Mike and I had a, an exercise streak going on. We had a whole schedule six days a week. And if one of us didn't complete the day, we owed the other guy five bucks. And that is the longest exercise streak I've ever had because you don't want to pay your friend five bucks just because you were too lazy to do your push-ups and sit-ups that day or whatever it was, you know? It works. Totally. It works. And there's actually, I, and I can't think of the name, but there are, are programs and apps where you pay in and it's that same idea, but it's an it's a program. So you pay in a certain amount at the beginning and then you have to track your, your progress and they keep your money if you don't do it. And if you do, they pay you back and you can even make money. Really? Yes. I, I, I can send them to you later. I'll keep the money. Yeah. That's okay. I'll just, you know, extra motivate. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. We'll be right back. Now, back to the show. 
let's put all this together because this is where maybe would it be fair to say we were trying to figure out a holistic approach here. And is that a loaded word? I always wonder if holistic is the right word in this context or if it's too, I don't know. Yeah. Loaded, I guess was, was, was the word I used because there is something unique about living this lifestyle. You know, you have clients probably from all over the world we're on. You're online a lot now, and it's probably not a lot of in-person stuff. Uh, this is something I've struggled with a lot over the years doing this location-independent entrepreneur thing, and it can be really easy to get burned out on the you know the Zoom calls. Everyone's like, I'm laughing because people are not laughing. It's the wrong word, but you know, people are like, I'm so burned down on Zoom calls since the pandemic, and I'm like, I've been doing Zoom calls for ten years. <laughs> this is it does take a toll, and you just get kind of. And I'm going through some shifts right now personally. So this is a, a very personal question for me too, because I really want to concentrate some more of my work on some more uh, in-person type of experiences as we know the things will normalize more at some point and uh, it already is happening. So yeah, how do you keep the balance? Is the balance the wrong thing? What's your philosophy around all this? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in, in constant, um, reflection. I, I, and I mentioned this earlier, but I think we have a tendency to, you know, download a free meal plan or, um, you know, follow a trainer's online trainers kind of set guidelines. And I think you need to sort of customize your health and lifestyle for yourself through reflection and trial and error is the other piece. And to be honest, it's not fast and sexy like we want it to be. There's not this like instant before and after. And that is what can be difficult. And that's why as a coach, I I have a lot of satisfaction in what I do because I can link arms with people and we can kind of take that walk together because it's, it can be a bit long and, and difficult, but it's really about taking the time at each step to reflect on, is this exercise working for me? Is yoga still for me? Or is it time to make a change? Is it, how does my body feel when I eat these foods? Um, it, am I eating them because I'm emotional and I'm soothing myself or am I eating them because they're fun foods and I want to? And, you know, finding those um, really kind of internal motivations and and kind of a, an understanding of who you are and what you need is, is it's a game changer. Once you do it, I mean, I work myself out of jobs. Once you are in tune to your needs and how to really reflect on things as they change you are the master of your own health because you don't then need someone else to say, try this latest trend and, and, you know, do this and, and try this. It's, it's more about, I know what feels good for me. And if something doesn't feel good, I know how to trial and error until I figure out what else I want. Um, and, and, you know, all of these pieces is one of the reasons why I wrote my book that I've I've is coming out this spring. I hope you don't mind a quick plug because it does kind of pull it together. Um, but I've written a book called How to Move Overseas with Your Health and Sanity. And it, it's just a guide to help you through some of these things as you move, you know, leveraging this fresh starts effect where when you make a move, when you take a trip, it's kind of an opportunity to start fresh and to leverage, you know, some new habits. Um, but, but it talks about all of these elements 
in where, where to live, what you're doing, um, support systems, how you eat, all of these things that affect your health and your well-being in relation to moving and traveling and relocating. Mm, wow. Cool. Congrats on the book. It's that's Thank amazing. You. That, that's a, quite an accomplishment. How was that process yes. for you? Well, I mean, I'm still in it. It's with the editor right now. <laughs> so I've written it, but it's being edited. And, and as you probably guess, there's quite a bit more work to do once the editor <laughs> get their hands on it. But I did create a little sneak peek for your listeners. So I will offer that um, to you and you can add the link in at kirstenpontius.com slash zero to travel. But I took a few excerpts, some of which we've talked about today with habits and rituals. Um, and I put them into a little uh, easy to download PDF for for your people to all these all these wonderful people to check out. But um, it's been really fun. I mean, I I was going through my training and my nutrition course and all of the pieces thinking to myself, this is interesting information, but it's just slightly different for people in our lifestyle. And so as I was learning, I was writing um, about how how things are, are just a little bit um, maybe more challenging in some ways and less in others um, and how we can capitalize on what we know about health and nutrition, all of those pieces um, in the lifestyle that we live. Yeah. I love that. It's very specific to people listening and yes, expat myself. Thanks for that. And we'll of, of course include the link for that excerpt in the show notes. Thanks for including that. I'm, I'm thinking about some of the things you just described, the trial and error and the reflection, such, such great concepts and sometimes harder to do in practice to reflect on your own behavior and your own self. I mean, what, what does, what does reflection look like? Is there a process for that? Is there some kind of a framework that you utilize? Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the individual needs. I'm a big fan of journaling, um, writing things down. And I also people, some people are verbal processors and just need to do some reflection, you know, maybe with a spouse or a friend. Um, I would say 50% of my one-to-one clients are also working with a therapist, um, you know, to work through different um, elements of mental health and, and struggles there. Um, I also have multiple exercises that I do with clients. And one of my favorite ones that I'll, I'll share with you that anybody can do is um, if you make a list of everything that you do in a day, kind of a generic list, but you know, you brush your teeth, you eat breakfast, you go to work and, and be as specific as you can. So maybe not just go to work, but you have a meeting, you know, all these things. And then if you look at that list and you think about what, first of all, what are the things that um, I have to do? What's necessary? You know, what, what is a non-negotiable and then what's optional? So you categorize everything as necessary or unnecessary. Um, and then you go through and you categorize everything one more time as um, energy giving or energy sucking. <laughs> so then you start to look at what, first of all, what are the things that are not necessary that are sucking my energy? Well, okay, get rid of those. That's easy. Um, and then what are the things that are necessary that are sucking my energy that I could tweak? So some of those you could, um, you know, hire someone else to do it. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's cooking dinner is just too, by the end of the day is just too much. So 
allow yourself to order out maybe one more time, but, you know, find, find a healthy restaurant that has, you know, nice sandwiches or salads or something. Or maybe it's, you have a friend that also doesn't like to cook and you double your recipe once a week and give them half and they double it once a week and give you half. And there's one less dinner you have to cook. So you look at those energy sucking activities that have to be done and you think, is there a way I could delegate them? If not, could I bring some ease to them? Every time I open my email, I get stressed. It's necessary. I have to look at my email. It sucks my energy. Okay, take three deep breaths before you open your email or take a walk. Every time you've opened the email at work and it's you know overwhelming and you're stressed, do what you have to do, close it down, and then go for a nice walk, take a deep breath. So finding ways to look through the day-to-day and tweak and adjust to bring some more joy to your life. That's one of my favorite exercises. And it also allows some reflection and going, wow, you know, maybe I didn't realize how much of my day is sucking my energy or I didn't realize um, I love when couples do this because if you do it side by side, you can say, oh, you don't like to make dinner. Well, I don't mind that. I'll make dinner. Or you don't like laundry. That's easy. And that happened to my husband and I over during COVID. I was losing my mind with the kids at home. We had this conversation about the joy sucking activities and laundry came up and he said, well, I'll do laundry. Oh, that's easy. Great. You know, so um, just activities like that, that help bring some awareness to what it is in your life that you are struggling with and what is giving you joy. And then I love also to look at those joy giving activities, those energy giving activities and think about, can we do more of that? Is there space to lengthen that or to add more? Um, And so it's a really nice reflective activity. Mm. Do you do the same sort of thing in your business? Absolutely. So I have a workshop all around. um, It's called From Frazzled to Fulfilled. And we use a lot of those exercises. It's 90 minutes. We start at the beginning with, you know, writing things down. My workshops are incredibly interactive. So there's a lot of conversation, a lot of reflection, a lot of writing and and working. Um, And so that exercise is from that workshop. Um, I have another one on routines and another one on sleep. Um, But I often do them with clients as well. I work in organizations, international schools, embassies, um, military organizations. And a lot of times I will do similar workshops or work um, with those organizations. I also do some consultancy as well to support administrations and, um, you know, leaders in um, helping their staff and colleagues find uh, pockets of joy and ways to find more health and ease. That's great. Yeah, especially if you're working with sort of from the top down approach in an organization that can spread like wildfire if yes. if implemented correctly. Yes. How do you find your clients? It's a random business question, but yeah, you know what? It's a um, hugely word of mouth. Yeah, um, okay. I I I've had a couple of clients come to me now from Instagram, which blows my mind because I'm not great with social media, but I I try to have a presence. Um, and besides that, it's a lot of referrals, which you know, I feel really good about, and I love uh, that uh, people are recommending me to their friends. But yeah, that's primarily it. Um, I do some, you know, I'll be in a couple um, conferences coming up in March. So I do some connecting to organizations through um, Families in Global Transition and uh, like area, you know, international organizations and that kind of thing. Cool. What's next for you and the family then? We are heading to Cote d'Ivoire, West Africa. To work at another international school? 
Yes, my husband will be a principal at the uh, International Community School of Abidjan, and uh, I will be helping transition the family, of course, and continuing with my business, which is mobile, which I'm very thankful for. (laughs) How long will you be there? Do you know? Um, you know, I think he has a minimum contract of two or three years. I don't even know that. That's a good question. <laughs> but, uh, well, I don't know. I'm going to West Africa <laughs> two, three, four years. Who knows? Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because of the kids and you probably understand this, like, I don't want to uproot them. You know, we don't want to uproot them too often. You know, it's one t- thing to take a trip, you know, kind of back and forth like you're talking about, which I think is very cool. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to stay as long as we like it. We like the five year range. I think it's been working really well. We were in Cambodia for five years. Um, we've been here, it'll be five years. So that's a sweet spot for us. It's enough time to build some community and feel like, you know, the culture a bit. And then, you know, we're, we're getting itchy. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's about time. What do you miss most about the States? Oh, um, what I miss is also what I'm glad I don't have access to. And it's probably just all the things I can get, the different foods, the different, you know, any, you know, getting, having anything you want at your fingertips virtually. I mean, it's just insane. I don't think you realize it until you leave that like Americans can get anything they want, (laughs) any food, any appliance. It's so (laughs) insane, you know? So I miss that on, so you know, sometimes, and then there's, a lot of times where I go, okay, I'm glad I don't have that much choice because I think it would just drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a food you constantly crave? This is a expat commiserating here right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, I mean, I'm from Northern Minnesota. So oh, yeah. Yeah. like wi- walleye and wild rice, those are probably the two things Ooh. when we go home in the summer, we are eating walleye tacos and fried walleye and walleye sandwiches and wild rice casserole, wild rice soup, wild rice salad. <laughs> it's like Good Midwestern, Northern <laughs> yeah, Minnesota exactly. fare. A lot of yeah. Norwegians in Minnesota, actually. Yes, exactly. Minnesota? Bemidji. Okay. If you're familiar with it. No. But you know, yeah. Minnesota nice is a saying for a reason. <laughs> Case in point here, Kirsten. Oh, I, I really... You. Had a wonderful conversation uh, with, I mean, I really enjoyed our conversation, I I should say. Uh, It was so nice and uh, so many great tips and takeaways. And I'm already kind of looking at all my scribbled notes here and thinking, yeah, which I'm going to try to do all of these tomorrow, I think. (laughs) Just start, start small and just start. It's the best way forward. It helps to have a framework and then just kind of stick with it. And it helps when those things are small things that are doable and yeah, not absolutely. overwhelming. And I, you gave us so much to, to ponder and also to implement in our lives. So I really appreciate your time. Of course, yeah. uh, KirstenPontius.com. We'll leave all the links and, and everything that we mentioned here today. Anything yes. that we missed that you want to, you want to mention or you got the book coming out, I know, and yes. anything else? Any other no, uh, that's, last parting words of wisdom? Yeah, for all of us no, here? I just, I appreciate being here. I think that, you know, there's, there's so many things that we can do in this lifestyle to just thrive. 
And I appreciate you letting me share some of those ideas and insights with you. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to have, have spoken with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We shall thrive together. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. All right. have it. Thank you so much to Kirsten for stopping by and sharing her wisdom. So much actionable advice in this interview. I was so fired up after recording this. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Couldn't wait to share this one with you. Thank you so much for listening. Now, you know, I love to highlight listeners of this show here and share their stories with the community. I want to share a voicemail I got with you just the other day. Have a listen. Hi, Jason. Uh, my name's Taryn. I've been listening to your podcast for, I guess, a year and a half now. I found you because I was searching for podcasts to keep me motivated while I was in the middle of doing projects on our sailboat that we had accidentally been thrown into, thinking we'd bought a boat that was ready to sail the world. And it turned out that we spent four months refitting her just to sell her to buy a different sailboat. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, Listening to your podcast kept me motivated through that entire project. Let me keep dreaming. We were in the middle of COVID. We were in the middle of being stuck in this boatyard when we thought we'd be out exploring and seeing new places. And just hearing so many people's different stories just kept me going through that. I'm so inspired by the people that you have on your show. And um, I very much appreciate the time and effort that you put into bringing so many different stories to people and so many different kind of walks of life and I guess motivations that people have for traveling and the different ways that they travel. So yeah, thanks so much. I hope you're having a good day. That's what I'm talking about, Taryn. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And I wanted to highlight your story because... What you were doing was taking advantage of that windshield time. I used to do this quite often when I spent a couple of years working in Colorado, stationary in one place, my only quote unquote sort of real job in many ways. And when I was driving around, I would listen to podcasts, listen to audio programs and things like that, taking advantage of that windshield time. It sounds like even though you got into this boat situation and you thought you were going to be traveling the world, and then it turned out to be another thing. It sounds to me like you were turning lemons into lemonade, just taking advantage of your of your time, staying inspired, staying motivated, and sometimes that is what it takes to achieve a dream, right? We experience these setbacks, and what are we going to do during those moments? Those are the things that really can define us and Maybe we want to take that opportunity to step into our greatness and to step up to the challenge. It sounds like you really did that. And I'm glad to hear that the podcast was a small part of that. So thank you so very much for taking the time to share your story. Yeah, when you get a bad car or a bad sailboat or any bad vehicle, don't they call that getting a lemon? That's where the lemons to lemonade thing came from. Anyway, I don't know where you're at, but if you are out sailing the world right now or planning on it, I... I'd love to hear more of this story. You mentioned that's another story, but I want to hear that story. And I'm sure some of the listeners do too. So let us know if you're out there sailing the world or what you're doing. And you, yes, you listening to this show, if you have a story to share or you just want to say hi again, drop me a voicemail anytime because I'd love to get those and play them here on the show because we get to hear some different voices and stories from the community and I can highlight other listeners. That's what this is all about. So, But you got to give me the messages to share. Uh, I'm at the end of the queue now. Taryn was the last message. So I'm waiting for you. 
drop me a line. <laughs> Love to hear from you. Okay, let me leave you with a quote today to wrap up this show. This one from Mahatma Gandhi, who said, It is health that is the real wealth and not pieces of gold and silver. And I'll share one more from Thich Nhat Hanh, another health-themed one. Keeping your body healthy is an expression of gratitude to the whole cosmos, the trees, the clouds, everything. Thank you so very much for listening, my friends. Until next time, peace and love. Have a great day. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.